0: Welcome to Herrick Does That, a podcast on current legal topics, relevant industry and legal trends, and significant
1: developments in the law, brought to you by the attorneys of Herrick Feinstein. I'm Erwin Kishner, Herrick's Executive Chairman, and I want to thank you for joining us. Hello, this is Mitch Corby, head of Herrick Feinstein's land use team, which includes urban planners and and lawyers, and it's a wonderful group working throughout the city. Today, I have the pleasure, the great pleasure, to be speaking with Eric Kober of the renowned think tank, the Manhattan Institute, about Mayor de Blasio's plans to change the city's zoning rules to prohibit hotels in New York. From the late 1980s to 2017, Eric was a top urban planning official with the city's planning department, serving from the end of the Koch administration all the way through to Mayor de Blasio's second term. Eric, maybe briefly introduce yourself, and then I'm going to provide a quick overview of our topic today, and then we can dive right in to this important uh, matter. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Mitchell. So in terms of uh, my past position, I I was formerly Director of Housing and Economic and Infrastructure Planning at the New York City Department of City Planning. I retired in 2017, and currently I am a uh, Senior Fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Uh, in New York.
1: And your your position at city planning, as I kind of characterized it, had sort of a wide-ranging portfolio. But I'm interested in particular how you began the dialogue about limiting the development of hotels in the city. But let me just sort of begin by saying, in, in a general way, hotels have historically been permitted in New York in all commercial zones and in the city's largest manufacturing zone, which is known as M1 districts. And, and as such, they were broadly allowed on what we call an as-of-right basis, which is to say you follow the rules and you apply for a building permit and you build your, your hotel. Now, there are rules regarding the size of hotels and the bulk, and generally speaking, what we call the uh, the FAR or the floor area ratio. But hotels were permitted up until fairly recently, as I said, on, on an as-of-right basis in all commercial zones, in all manufacturing zones or M1 districts in the city. But the effort to sort of pull that back and restrict them began, as I said, three or four years ago, and maybe longer ago. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit about the initial efforts to do this? And then we're going to talk about why this has sort of created more attention and why it's gone beyond just sort of the initial attempts to regulate into an effort to regulate them citywide.
0: The efforts to to regulate hotels uh, really go back uh, much more than three or four years to the, the middle of the Bloomberg administration about perhaps 2007 or 2008. And as, as, as Mitchell mentioned, uh, hotels were regulated in a very permissive way historically in the city's zoning. However, until the mid-2000s, the city was notoriously undersupplied with hotel rooms. And uh, the hotel industry was dominated by the union, which is known as as the Hotel Trades Council. And hotels were generally older, union, uh, you know, had a union contract and were sort of notoriously costly for uh, tourists. And uh, this all began to change in the mid-2000s when uh, it was really two uh, entrepreneurs who had sort of two important, significant observations. The two entrepreneurs were a developer named Sam Chang, whose uh, development vehicle is called McSam Hotels, and an architect, uh, Gene Kaufman, who uh, teamed up with, with Sam Chang. And they had two very significant observations. One was that there was a nearly unlimited demand in the city for... Uh, What are known as limited service hotels. Uh, Limited service hotels, and people, uh, most Americans uh, who travel will be familiar with them. They're the kind of hotel where uh, there there are there there is no restaurant. The breakfast is served in a room where people take breakfast themselves, and uh, but there's no lunch or dinner. Uh, there are limited uh, conference facilities. And these kinds of hotels have proliferated across the United States, uh, but were not really found in great numbers in New York City until uh, Sam Chang and Gene Kaufman began to, uh, to build them. The second great uh, observation that they made was that Manhattan was full of what you might call leftover development sites, uh, small commercial buildings. Uh, you know, ranging from one story to maybe three or four stories that were wedged in between larger buildings, might be as little as 20 feet wide, might be 30, 40, 50 feet wide, and could serve as development sites uh, for hotels and for limited service hotels. And and they went uh, out and they began to acquire such sites and to build hotels. And as these hotels began to proliferate, the union determined that these hotels were a threat to you might what you might call its franchise and uh, that they needed to use the land use process to stop those hotels from being built. They began to, to lobby the Bloomberg administration. And by now we were in the context of the campaign, his, his uh, campaign for a third term uh, in uh, 2008 and 2009 uh, they began to campaign for restrictions on hotels uh, in exchange for uh, the union's support in the in the campaign and the Bloomberg administration uh, began to sort of make concessions to the union for a a restriction here and a restriction there and the the union's preferred restriction was a special permit, which they thought they could leverage through uh, their, uh, again, their political support of city council members to force uh, applicants for special permits to agree to a, essentially not to object to union organizing of their new hotel. So, uh, Eric, a special permit
1: for our listeners is not as of right, requires a lengthy process, including public hearings, and ultimately including the option, and in this case, the necessity of a city council public hearing and vote. So you're, you're speaking about the, the concern that the unions had about the sort of low cost, non-union, affordable hotels, if you will, limited service hotels that cropped up in corners of the city, be it the edges of the garment district, areas of Long Island City, the Gowanus Canal area of Brooklyn. But isn't it also true that that we also saw boutique hotels sort of on a different end of the spectrum? Uh, hotels like, uh, you know, the, the Ace Hotel, for example. These sort of smaller hotels may not also have had conference rooms, right, but, but were, were a different kind of hotel. Was that a concern of the union as well, or, or was it just the hotels you're referring to?
0: I believe that their primary concern with a, with a, was the proliferation of limited service hotels at a lower price point than the, uh, the union hotels could offer under the union contract. And, and, and also, they had very few employees. And even the, employee, the people who worked in the hotel were, were often not employees of the hotel. They, for example, uh, the housekeepers might be provided by an employment service uh, who uh, you know you worked for the employment service and they told you to go you know on Tuesday to such and such a hotel and on Thursday to a different hotel and uh, the uh, the low numbers of employees of course made it possible for these hotels to offer rooms at a lower price point and and the union saw that as as a threat to their Uh, as I said, their their continued ability to dominate the the hotel sector in in the city.
1: So as a general proposition, though, when the city starts thinking about zoning rules and, and zoning amendments and creating, as is the case here, a new special permit, and we'll talk about how it began and where it stands now, doesn't there have to be a a land use, or if you will, zoning reason for coming up with the new rule? What you're talking about is an interest group, this union. You're talking about something that's got nothing to do with zoning per se. I get their concern, but what does it have to do with land use planning and
0: the institution you worked for, the planning department? Uh, well that was a major concern among planners you know and and generally special permits are intended to sort of uh, regulate a bad thing so that for example uh, zoning requires in a lot of cases special permits for public parking garages and in that case the City Planning Commission analyzes the amount of traffic that might be produced by the garage, the location of its curb cuts, the safety of pedestrians uh, these are all uh, good, sort of land-use-impact-related questions that are validly uh, analyzed. And in this case, however, the, the case of the hotel special permit, there was really nothing to analyze. Uh, hotels, generally speaking, have very limited land-use impacts, uh, if you think of a hotel in Midtown, uh, particularly a small hotel like the, the limited service hotels that generally had in the range of something like 150 or 200 rooms, you know, as in, during uh, the day, uh, uh, people arrive occasionally. And, you know, sometimes they arrive on public transportation, sometimes they take a taxi, but the actual traffic volumes are pretty modest and there's really no other impact there's no restaurant, there's no nightclub or anything of, of that nature, and there's no noise, no pollution. So there's really nothing to hang a, you know, what, what, what you've characterized, a land use review on. And actually, I, you know, I am not a lawyer, obviously you are, but my understanding as a planner was that uh, the City Planning Commission did not have the legal authority to try to regulate hotel room rates or to specify whether these businesses would, would have or would not have union representation. Uh, that that's uh, uh, There are other laws that regulate that, but it was not up to the City Planning Commission and not something the City Planning Commission ultimately gets its authority from the city charter and state enabling legislation that allows cities to have uh, zoning. So I'm sure it must have been a challenge then
1: to begin writing and thinking about this new special permit when you can't create the special permit and say what the real objective is.
0: It certainly was. And and there was a great deal of resistance within the city to instituting special permits. And so the city moved relatively slowly, one might say quite slowly by the by the lights of, of the union. And so while the city moved quite slowly and and people uh, question the the validity of this sort of uh, movement in municipal zoning, hotels proliferated dramatically. And so the city's uh, stock of hotel rooms between 2005, uh, roughly, and the present time has increased by more than 100%. So it was a remarkable increase. And, and it, it resulted prior to the COVID pandemic in an explosion of tourism in the city. And interestingly enough, New York and Company, the city's tourist promotion agency, issues every year an annual report, which up until this last year, uh, 2020, every year, uh, they would issue a press release and the mayor would speak as well, uh, extolling the, the, the fact that the city had another record year for tourism. And of course, the the record year for tourism was only possible because uh, the number of hotel rooms had proliferated and the number of hotel rooms could only proliferate because hotels were reaching a more middle income tourist who prior to 2005 could not have uh, afforded the city's uh, limited and costly uh, stock of, of hotel rooms. So there was a perfect marriage of sorts between
1: the explosion in tourism. And I understand we had something like 67 million tourists, 67 million tourists in 2018, yes. which is Texas and California combined. Um, a marriage between that explosion in tourism and then, you know, the, the hotel rooms to satisfy a, a broad spectrum of folks who are visiting the city. The economic spillover, the economic benefit of all this tourism it isn't just about the hotels clearly right it's about the city's entertainment industry and restaurants and and the spill off effects of of all of this tourism right
0: yes it created a virtuous circle in which the, the more hotel rooms that were constructed the more hotel the more tourists came to the city uh, foreign and, and domestic tourists and uh, jobs proliferated in in restaurants which uh, became a major growth industry in the city and in uh, entertainment cultural institutions all of which became huge economic generators and of course this has all crashed in 2020 as the city has you know a major reason uh, why the city has lost hundreds of thousands of, of jobs in 2020. And so, you know, we, we now sort of have, a, you know, given the number of people who've lost their jobs, uh, a very good idea of the, the impact of, of tourism in a positive way uh, prior to 2020.
1: So what, what you characterize as a, as a virtuous circle, a phrase which I really like, is one that's not seen, I guess, as virtuous by a certain segment, which is to say the interest group that wants to put a halt to hotel developments. Now, this desire to put a halt to hotels began, as you said, back at the end of the Bloomberg administration. So it's not something that's new. And you also said it sort of, there's been this, my words, a drip, drip, drip of new regulation. So they began with an effort to create the special permit in East Midtown, when that part of the city was rezoned. Curious that we sought to make sure that uh, new office buildings could go up so that top uh, corporate offices could be here in the city and we could compete with other cities. We wanted that, but at the same time, we were restricting hotel developments, which doesn't seem to make sense with what else was the the other objective of that rezoning. But it began there, right? And then not long after that came the next special permit, which was in manufacturing districts. So first, East Midtown, and then I, I gather second, uh, M1 districts. Has anyone applied, to your knowledge, for any one of these special permits, either in East Midtown or in the manufacturing zones?
0: No. Actually, many more special permits have been created in, in smaller areas. And the, to my knowledge, there has never been an application uh, for any of these special permits. And, and the reason is pretty easy to understand. The the hotel, it, it's not possible to operate uh, a limited service hotel uh, under the union contract. It's simply not possible. And so uh, the The only kind of hotel that would want to uh, apply for one of these special permits would be the kind of conventional full service hotels that uh, the union represents. And very few of those hotels are being constructed. I see. Why is this union so powerful? The union is so powerful because it is politically active. And because of the nature of its work, there's always a bunch of hotel workers who are off shift because they you know, they, they work around the clock and seven days a week. So if you hold a public hearing on, you know, for example, on on, on Wednesday morning as the City Planning Commission does or the you know, the city council also holds weekday hearings, uh, they can turn out a large number, hundreds of hotel workers in support of their of their position. Other labor organizations have more difficulty doing that because their workers are working during, you know, during the business day. So
1: as I understand it, this union also, you know, has been active in, in campaigns. As you said earlier, they endorsed uh, Mayor de Blasio, of course, when he ran for mayor eight years or so ago. And they also endorsed him when he ran for president. And the union, as I understand it, is also well known to the, to the city council members. So you characterize this as beginning several years ago, and then slowly there have been more and more regulations. And as we understand it now, the regulations are going to be citywide. Instead of just being in this area or that area or this zoning district or that zoning district, the city is now poised to make the supply, the special permit apply citywide. How can the city do that? I mean, we've been talking about how this rule is not grounded in zoning or land use policy, but instead has this, you know, interest in mind. How is it that it can do it in different areas and then suddenly do it citywide? When they did it in all these different areas of the city and you were part of the city government at the time, wasn't there an environmental review process and wasn't there a discussion about the special permit's limited effect and and now it's going to be citywide? Can, Can you comment on the difference between it being sort of more compartmentalized and now citywide?
0: Well, it's, a, it's effectively a ban on hotels, really without any, any good reason. Uh, obviously, hotels are appropriate in the central commercial districts of the city, where they are a companion to, uh, to business activity. And obviously, also, uh, tourism is a major city industry, which can't expand, at least not legally. Uh, without uh, the support of uh, additional hotel rooms. Uh, So the city is is skating on very dubious ground. It's one of the reasons why this action has taken so long to get off the ground. Uh, It was widely reported in the media at the time that Bill de Blasio ran for president in 2019, that he had, the union was really the only entity Uh, That supported him, uh, and that the uh, price for the union support was uh, the endorsement of a citywide special permit for hotels, and yet it has taken about uh, perhaps a year and a half from when that began to be reported in the media to the time in which uh, the city has has uh, broadcast its intention to go through with this, and in obviously has to do this by the end of the year, which is the end of Bill de Blasio's term. So uh, the city is skating on very dubious grounds. It's obviously uh, vulnerable to legal challenges from affected property owners, but uh, it appears determined to do this, and there's no reason to believe that the city council will offer uh, resistance. Uh, One thing that I do expect is a very generous... Grandfathering provision for any hotel that is in process at the moment, uh, which also occurred for uh, the the light manufacturing districts, uh, which resulted in thousands and thousands of new hotel rooms being permitted just before the deadline, and it'll probably happen in a similar way with with this proposed amendment. Uh, so oddly, the consequence of trying to avoid a legal challenge from a property owner who's affected by this amendment will be a proliferation of additional hotel rooms, exactly what the union does not want.
1: Right. A a, a growth in, in those very rooms that tend not to be union, the ones you were referring to earlier. I suppose it's also possible that, assuming this as is likely moves forward, tourists are going to still, God willing, come to New York once we you know, move move out of the public health crisis, they will still want to come and presumably will look at alternatives, whether it's Airbnb or hotels just outside the city. Can you just in the remaining time comment on what it will mean ultimately to have this ban in, in, in effect? What will it mean for the city? What will it mean for tourism and the city's economy, which is in large part reliant
0: on the very industries that that uh, benefit from hotels? Well, the, the effects are going to be long-term. At the moment, the city has a huge surplus of hotel rooms and will have a bigger surplus of hotel rooms as a result of the rush to beat this deadline. So in the short term, the city will be well-supplied with hotel rooms. But as time goes on, if tourism continues to grow, as it has continued over uh, you know, the period between 2005 and 2019, the demand for hotel rooms will catch up with the supply of hotel rooms. And at that point, of course, the city will be unable to to add hotel rooms. And I think that uh, obviously Airbnb could be a beneficiary of that because uh, uh, Airbnbs are not for uh, zoning purposes hotel rooms. They're, They're rooms that people rent out in their homes. I uh, yeah I think there's a uh, probably a, a limited potential for the expansion of Airbnbs. The uh uh the city has, has uh the state have has passed laws which uh, effectively prohibit uh renting out whole apartments as Airbnbs. And I think that one thing that's likely to happen is that it'll be done illegally and that uh you'll see a proliferation of apartments uh being converted and and uh there will be somewhat of a uh sort of whackable enforcement effort where the city tries to find these apartments that are being illegally converted to hotel rooms uh the people who are in the business of illegally converting hotel rooms will uh find other apartments that the city hasn't found yet and you know there will be a uh a really uh uh the detrimental underground hotel room business, which won't pay taxes, won't follow labor laws, and will take dwelling units out of circulation in, in the housing market. And I think that obviously the availability of jobs, particularly uh, the sort of low skill jobs in in housekeeping and janitorial jobs that you see in hotels, uh, which are available to people with uh, lesser levels of education. At the $15 minimum wage, of course, that the city uh, has uh, instituted, uh, the, the people in, in, in that category will have fewer jobs available to them. And that, that will be really to, 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 uh, to their detriment, to the city's detriment.
1: Right. Uh, it, it certainly does appear that a whole variety of stakeholders – will suffer as a result of this regulation, including folks, um, you know, who, who, who need and want these these well-paying well paying jobs. Uh, and we'll also end up in an environment of uh, eventually of scarcity and room rates will go up. And this will also affect new development and construction jobs and, and all the rest. Well, this has been, um, you, you know, troubling <laughs> conversation, but illuminating as well. And And should give us pause as we think about the way politics sometimes can affect land use policy, you know, in the city. And I'm aware that folks uh, within government have tried to raise alarm bells about this. And yet it does seem that it's moving forward. Well, uh, thank you, Eric. We've been talking with Eric Kober, who has had a long and storied history with the city's planning department and now is at the Manhattan Institute I appreciate it very much, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Is there anything else you'd like to add to the, the conversation?
0: Well, I think that New Yorkers who are, are uh concerned about uh this, this sort of misuse of the zoning power for uh purposes that that it, it is not intended to be used for, uh should let their their council members know and let the mayor know that they are concerned. And, you know, the best way to get get better policy is is for the public to, to let their elected officials know that these kinds of, of shady uh, political deals are, are not acceptable. Thanks, Mitchell. Great. Thank you. Thank you so very much, Eric. Thank you very much for joining
1: us for Herrick's podcast, Herrick Does That. To learn more about our firm and to listen to additional recordings, please visit us at www.herrick.com.